0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors
1: Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or throws it, he's in. A backhander and a save by Tony Esposito. Stan Mikita was a small guy, very cocky in those days. Magnuson trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Nouveau. Murphy picked out a bit air to Abani. Son of a groaning. Hots win! Hots win! Hots win! Hots win! 670 The Score's hockey guy, Jay Zawaski. No more! Hots win! Hots win! Of Blue Wire Podcasts. He off the boards. He shoots his going down to the Tames. A game winning goal. The Hawks live to fight another day. Open back, so and drive. Skeptic Brett The <laughs> Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, Doctor Squatch, and by the Since In Law Group, let's drop the puck.
0: Welcome in friends and well-wishers. This is indeed a new edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau I am here from NBC5 Chicago and I'm in Berman, Illinois, of course. And I am joined as always by the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score of the I'm Pat Podcast and all sorts of other little uh, TV and radio appearances. He's truly a man of many talents. Jay Zawoski, how are you doing tonight, buddy?
2: I'm great, buddy. It's good to talk to you. It's good to hear your voice. It's been a while since we've spoken. Uh, The NHL playoffs are underway, and uh, they've been really good, really exciting so far. But there's some Hawk stuff to get into, too. We're going to also answer a bunch of mailbag questions as well. Thanks for joining us. Follow us on Twitter at MadHousePod. Email us madhousepod at gmail.com. or on Instagram, madhouse underscore pod. And we're on Facebook, all that good stuff. Very easy to find. Make sure you rate, subscribe, and review the podcast, those five-star Apple podcast reviews are like gold to podcasters so if you like what you hear leave us a five-star review on apple and we would greatly greatly appreciate it so not a ton happening in the world of the chicago blackhawks we've got some guys playing in the world championships which we'll update you on uh as well but we're watching our beloved uh adopted carolina hurricanes play and it's not going great for our team by the way thursday night at 8 30 We'll be doing our hot mic. We've been trying to find a day to do it. We have finally found a night that works for both James and I. So Thursday night at 8.30 p.m., join us on Hot Mic. If you've never joined us on Hot Mic before, real easy. You download the Hot Mic app, H-O-T-M-I-C. It's free. When you sign up, enter that code MADHOUSE as your referral code or your whatever. I forget what they call it, but it's something along those lines like referral code. Enter MADHOUSE when you sign up and you'll be alerted when we go live join us for a live video simulcast uh, for the hurricanes game should be a lot of fun uh, we you know talk hockey we just kind of fart around a little bit for the entirety of the game <laughs> and uh you know we take some tips usually we come up with a good charity or something uh, so we'll figure all that stuff out but we look forward to you guys all joining us on Thursday for a good casual time just watch some hockey with us. And now the
0: big question, of course, is whether the Hurricanes are going to be facing elimination or trying to eliminate the uh, Predators. They are currently losing third period of the game right now, and Jay and I are just uh, chomping on our fingernails right now. It has not been a fun time.
2: No, and its I still firmly believe the Nashville Predators suck, despite the evidence that they were just kicking the crap out of the Hawks all year and... I don't know. They've had high expectations for a long time now, and those sort of went away this year. Mm. I just, I don't know. They're beating the Hurricanes. Like, what can I say, right? Or the series is tied at two, but they've got a lead here in the third period as we record this thing. They've put up a pretty solid fight against the the Hurricanes, and man, as you look around hockey, there have been a lot of lesser teams in, in the minds of a lot of people that have actually been pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, I mean, the uh, Winnipeg Jets just got done sweeping the Edmonton Oilers. I don't think a lot of people really uh, saw that series going the way that it went. Uh, The Canadians, I know, only beat the Maple Leafs in game one of that series. Obviously, Toronto has kind of taken a stranglehold on the series since then. Uh, Boston, besting Washington. I thought Boston looked really good in that series. Pittsburgh Penguins, best home team in the NHL. They are down in their series to the New York Islanders, and they're going to be heading to play the Isles on the road for game six. I'm really looking forward to that one. But, yeah, it has been a lot of really awesome and fun hockey, tons of overtimes, which is wonderful for those of us that don't really have a horse in the fight. We kind of enjoy uh, living vicariously through the others who are living and dying with how well their team teams are doing it just it really has been a really fun postseason so far it's been full of some uh, surprises some really good performances and I know the Blackhawks aren't exactly involved in any of this and it's just it's nice to obviously still have hockey on our television sets even though it involves people like Gustav Forsling and Tabo uh, Teravine and thriving when the Blackhawks aren't playing
2: did you ever think you'd see Gustav Forsling pl- play as well as he's played
0: did I ever, okay, did I ever think that I would see Jan Ruda play the, you know, up to the level that he has played <laughs> since he departed the Blackhawks? And the answer to that question is no. I did not think that Gustav Forsling had anything in him, and now all of a sudden it's like he can play hockey. Where was this for, like, five years or whatever, dude? Come on.
2: Yeah, it's funny. Um, when guys get paired with really, really good partners, which is something that's happened with Jan Ruda, especially playing a lot of time with Victor Hedman, that's going to help out for sure. Um I, you know, I think that we all kind of look at these guys differently when they're here because we looked at Gustav Forsling as this elite prospect, and or we thought so anyway, right? Maybe the Hawks overhyped him a little bit. We're like, when's this guy going to become the next great thing? And it never happens. Reality is he's turned into a pretty solid NHL player. He's not a star. He never will be a star. No. And we are sort of waiting for that next step in his game. I think sometimes when you see something like that, a change of scenery where the expectation isn't, I have to be, I have to live up to the status of the draft pick and the hype, even though it's still Joel Quenville, there's no expectation for him down there in Florida. They traded him. They didn't get much, you know, they didn't give up much to get him. all that sort of stuff. So it takes, it eases the pressure on Gustav Forsling and uh, he can just sort of focus on, on growing as a player and doing what he needs to do without the expectation. You see that happen a lot. So I'm happy for him. I mean, you saw flashes now and again, From Forsling when he was in Chicago, but just couldn't put it together consistently. Well, he's found that consistency and now he's become a pretty reliable guy.
0: It's been a really interesting series so far, too. I don't know if our listeners have been watching the Tampa Bay-Florida series, but it's actually been pretty entertaining. There have been some really good games. Game one of the series I thought was absolutely awesome. That was just a slugfest. Five to four, I think Tampa Bay ended up winning that game. Florida won game three, six to five. And then, oh, yeah, as if the series needed any more drama, Spencer Knight came into the game last night for the Panthers and just absolutely dominated as they stayed alive in that series. Series. So this this thing's had a little bit of everything, and I think Tampa Bay they gotta realize they're you know they they probably came into this series thinking ah we're the defending champs we should be favored here. Florida's given them everything they you know can handle, and I think that it's gonna be a really good game. I'm really looking forward to tomorrow night, and just it's been. You know, a lot of fun watching two teams play at a really high level, especially two teams that repeatedly this season showed that they were a class above the Blackhawks. It kind of causes you to, you know, sit back and dream a little bit of when we're going to get back to that.
2: Well, it's funny. I want to get back to the Florida Tampa series a little bit, because for whatever reason, that's the series I've seen the most of. I think just because my schedule has just happened to work out that way where I have time to be in front of a TV when those two teams are playing. And it's funny, when you look at the Discovered Card Central Division, which we won't have much more time to say, um, I know it's sad, isn't it? Do you
0: think they're going to keep those names, by the way? Do you th- or not? Obviously not the specific names, but do you think they'll keep the sponsored division idea?
2: Why wouldn't you? Absolutely. Make sell that up, money, honey. Sell everything you can, as long as the salary cap keeps going up and all those things, then cool. I'll take it. But, um, you know, it's funny. The Central Division's got three teams that I legit think can win the cup. Tampa and Florida, who are playing each other, yep, and uh, and Carolina, like the, the, they're three like legitimate cup contenders in this league, and they're all in the And it's tough that Florida and Tampa have to play each other in the first round, and it's weird to say like Tampa's obviously the favorite, but if Florida won, that wouldn't be a massive upset in my mind.
0: No, and I I probably should have phrased that better. It's not like I think that Florida kind of fluked into the playoffs or anything like that. They obviously had a really good regular season. I mean, you don't finish second in the division with a 37-14 and 5 record. Yes, I cheated. I looked that up. I was intrigued by what their record was. I couldn't remember. You don't don't fluke into that even over a 56-game sprint like these teams had to deal with, right? And they have so many really good, interesting young players on that team. And of course, you have Hubert and Barkov who are just both incredible players. Carter Verhage has been really good this season. Anthony Duclair, another former Blackhawk, we have to go ahead and shout out, also doing his thing down there in Florida. The Panthers obviously are a really solid team, and it's interesting to hear you kind of classify them as one of those teams that, you know, could potentially be a, a more strong contender to win the Stanley Cup, because as you look through – Some of the other divisions, I mean, obviously Vegas and Colorado, I think both have as good of an argument as anybody to be a Stanley cup winner. I mean, Colorado is picked by basically everybody to win the cup this season, including me in our predictions episode. That is absolutely correct. And then in the North, you've basically got Toronto and that's it like nobody thinks that Winnipeg is going to storm into Toronto and beat the <laughs> crap out of them how dare you like that <laughs> and i look at you know teams like boston the islanders the penguins i'm not overly enamored with any of those teams so i find it interesting that out of the teams that i would really say are legit serious Stanley Cup contenders like kind of cream of the crop I do find it utterly fascinating that three of them just so happen to be in a division with the Blackhawks this season and they all have really good cases
2: yeah it's been so fun to watch And, and I do miss the Hawks being in there obviously but you mentioned earlier like those overtime games it's fun when you can just enjoy them instead of like literally standing up for the entire overtime and wanting to throw up the entire time and what is it barf cry die time is that what barf, we
0: cry die boy i miss that
2: i do i do actually miss it but i don't i don't miss the feeling but i miss the excitement you know what i don't miss
0: about it and this is going to be like one of those you know what what's the uh, first world problems is mm-hmm. the uh the thing to say, I don't miss having to guard the NBC five websites and like write up whether or not the Blackhawks would win an overtime game or not. There is very few things in life that are more nerve wracking than having to come up with a new push alert to send out to thousands of mobile devices, posting a headline and a story to a website. It's just ugh, that I, I don't miss that pressure of it. The fan pressure Yeah, I'm a sadist. I miss that a lot. I miss the feeling of, you know, being on the verge of death all the time. That I do miss.
2: (laughs) That is an accurate way to describe it. (laughs) Constantly on the verge of death the entire game. I mean, I still think to the 2013 Detroit series Uh, uh, ahead of game seven. You know, I was doing the post games on the score and my shift was over at like two. And I had just I'm not going to go home and then come back downtown. So I just had time to think and worry and just pace downtown like i was a wreck that day just a wreck because we knew that 2013 team was the best of all of them they get down in the series they're they're facing elimination they force a game seven and that game just like i swear to god it took that day felt like three days for for that game to finally come but yeah i did i do miss it and hopefully um, the Hawks will be back in the playoffs next year. It's it's you know it, I think it remains to be seen what next season's going to look like in terms of divisions. I would I would imagine though next year's probably going to be an air quotes normal NHL season.
0: It sure seems like it. They seem pretty adamant about playing eighty two games and starting the season in October. I think I think we're probably going to see mostly full arenas by that point. I feel like that's kind of the trend that we're going in right now. I don't know if you saw the headline today, but the NFL told its uh, team presidents today that they have already received approval for 30 of the 32 teams to have full capacity crowds at the start of the preseason this year. So pretty clearly that is where sports seems to be heading right now. So I'd imagine that fans will be packing into the UC again next season. Whether or not you have to wear masks obviously remains to be seen, but yeah, we're quickly speeding towards basically a return to the uh normal kind of atmosphere and hockey attitude that we've you know been used to all our lives. So, yeah, normal stuff, man.
2: When you watch some of these games like this Carolina game, <laughs> it does not look like a, like a reduced crowd at all. And not I was watching and d- Cubs and Cardinals on Sunday night baseball. That looked like a normal ass Cubs game. You know, yeah. like that was that looked like a full arena. It's it's just strange. It's like ugh. I don't know. It's 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 uh it's good. It's a good thing that we're getting back to normal. Like there's no downside to that at all. But now I'm having like the I don't want to minimize PTSD. I don't I'm not, not using it in any sort of mocking word, but just for lack of a better word, it's like wow, I'm well, like seeing groups of people together is stressful. We we had our first um like big group outdoor get together. Since the pandemic started, right? So we had our, we've had our little bubble where we've had two or three groups of friends where we like knew everywhere they went, we knew they were 100 percent safe, but we finally got together with like our extended group of all vaccinated friends, and right. everybody there was kind of like, hey, I like, get <laughs> like hanging back and being hesitant and kind. of- Do we hug? Do yeah, we, do no, do that, that awkwardness was real, man, and it was it was very strange. But then I found myself you know sort of watching the party. Like I sort of, you know, from from twenty thousand feet, like just observing what was happening. And I found myself getting choked up. I was just so happy to see everyone back and everybody smiling and everybody together. It's like, yeah. man, it's it has seemed so long. And in the grand scheme of our lives, it probably it won't be. But I don't know, man. I we're all ready for it to be over and uh the signs are good and let's hope that People keep getting, uh, as my daughter told her doctor yesterday, "stab me with science." <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully, people follow my daughter's advice and uh, get stabbed with science, and we get get this thing over with. Anyway, back to the old uh, puckaroo. Um,
0: back to back to hockey. Carolina's still losing, by the way. To. Nashville, keeping a razor sharp eye on that game, just sitting here on the edge of my seat. I can't wait to put my Tavo jersey on on Thursday night and hopefully root the uh, Canes onto a series victory. Let's come on, turn it around, Carolina. That would
2: be a lot of fun. I would very much enjoy that. Uh, by the way, we mentioned the World Championships. If you've not been watching them, I understand. It's in Latvia. It's weird times. It's hard to catch, uh, <laughs> but it's available to you on NHL Network. And I've been watching some of it. Uh, the Hawks have eight players represented in the tournament. Dominic Kubelik so far has two goals and one assist. Brandon Hagel has been held off the score sheet. Uh, Lucas Reichel has played three games for Germany, two goals, three assists. He looks like he is very much on his way to the Blackhawks next season. Nicholas Bodan has an assist for Canada. Uh, Nikita Zadorov has two assists for Russia. Max Shalinov has been held off the score sheet. Brandon Peary, no points for Canada. And Philip Kuryshev who plays for Switzerland has one assist. So there's your update on the eight Blackhawks in the World Championships. I, I have you watched any of it? Have you caught any of it?
0: I've caught some of it, like you said. It's been a uh... Very uh, weird time for me. There's some stuff going on in my personal life right now uh, involving buying a house. So that's obviously been uh, dominating a lot of kind of my mental energy. So keep your fingers crossed, everybody, if you don't mind for uh, that to go through. I would appreciate that. But, yeah, I've been – paying attention here and there to games i have caught a couple of russia's games incidentally like it's kind of been like you uh i think you had said you had seen a couple of the montreal toronto playoff games it just so happened that i seem to always find the russia game and i have to um i have to confess something here i have not watched a single team usa game yet in this tournament i'm doing real bad (laughs) oh you're
2: a bad you're a bad american I don't I'm think a
0: terrible I, American apparently.
2: There's no way around it. You should have like a bald eagle. You should just rent a pickup truck, and emblazon it with a bald eagle. I
0: thought you were going to say I should rent a bald eagle, which would have been hilarious. that would
2: be cool if you could do that. You should do that. <laughs> I'm not trying to deter you from something that awesome. If there's I mean, bald tr- eagle, but rental, seriously
0: though, like look at the rosters of the teams this yeah, year, and you're j- yeah. there's like it's very limited nhl participation this year you and i were looking at team canada's roster earlier and we were just kind of like who's the biggest star on this team right now like outside of owen power we just really
2: couldn't come to a conclusion say his name correctly owen power I hope you the Hawks what? don't draft him just so I don't have to do that every time we talk about him. Because You're, I'm you're
0: actually absolutely right. I apologize. <laughs> I should have absolutely busted that out.
2: Busted what out? <laughs> Owen oh, Power. <laughs> nice. I like that. That Thank was very good. Uh, that's going to annoy people like our Discover Card Central Division, which I, did I that appreciate. Did annoy anybody? Oh, I'm sure it did. Hey, why <laughs> do you guys stop talking like that and get back to hacky?
0: Maybe we just want Discover to sponsor the pod or pay off our credit card bills or something. You don't know our lives. Do
2: you think I could talk to Discover about like, hey, I'll give you free ads for life if you give me a zero balance?
0: (laughs) They'd be like, how long do you plan on podcasting? Because that might take (laughs) you six or seven years. Yeah, seriously. 27 (laughs) years. Sorry, we're on the Owen Power thing now. We can't stop.
2: All right, well, let's tell people about Kent. Simpson, attorney at law, our newest sponsor. Man, that's a good bring
0: to it. I like that. I like that too.
2: After over a decade of prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook County State's attorney, he opened his own firm over 20 years ago and he specializes in all forms of personal injury cases, including injuries as a result of accidents, including cars, trucks, motorcycles, bicycles, boats, planes, buses, hoverboards, tricycles, big wheels. Um, inline skates, roller skates, light-up roller skates, mopeds, Vespa scooters, um, helicopters, (laughs) zeppelins, and unicycles. But that's it. Well done. All right. Also, construction accidents, medical negligence and birth injuries, slip and fall cases, all injuries. If you get injured at work, you get injured somewhere, Kent is your guy. His firm's results speak for themselves, with millions recovered for their clients. Sinson Law Group charges no fees unless they win for you. Call for a free consultation, 312-332-2107, or visit SinsonLawGroup.com. That's S-I-N-S-O-N-LawGroup.com. Don't go offsides. Go top shelf. Call Kent Sinson right now, 312 312- two2107. All right James, we appealed the Madhouse podcast audience for some questions. We got a bunch of them. I have to say, um, the mailbag questions are very lengthy. So okay <laughs> So we'll get to all those next on the Madhouse Chicago hockey podcast. The economy is made up of real people doing real
0: stuff and it affects everything. which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff.
2: Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I'm Jay Zawoski. My partner out there in Bourbonnet, James Navo, is with me now as we watch the Carolina Hurricanes who have just tied it up, but you don't care because you're listening to a podcast. I don't know why I keep <laughs> giving you game updates. I, I know, right? What are we
0: doing right now? Like, it, it is a little bit odd, I guess, that we are podcasting in the middle of a game of a team that we have decided to bandwagon. Well, and it's a game five and a 2-2 series. So you know what? Leave us alone, people. James,
2: would you say this game is pivotal?
0: <laughs> yes, Joe Ostrowski. I would say that this game is pivotal. Thank it's you. almost a must-win.
2: It almost is a must-win, but it's not a must-win for either. Speaking team. of
0: Ostrowski, did I see you have a cousin playing in a Corn Fairy tour event this week? That's right.
2: My cousin Joe uh has been working his way up the ranks of golf trying to get uh into the tour. Not quite there yet, but he's uh he's still on a younger side. Uh, he might get there someday, but man, he golf is his life. I have not seen Joe in, oh boy, I can't even like, I when I when I lost last saw him, he was not an adult, that because he's just man. been he's just been grinding like he's been trying to make the tour. He I, he's been spending most of his time in Florida, just golfing, golfing, golfing like twenty four seven, uh, yeah. you know, trying to get get to the tour. And he's uh, yeah, he's in the Corn Ferry tournament this weekend. Uh, I placed a little wager. On him, you know as it, you should have massive odds against him but hey if he if i if i didn't bet for my cousin and he ended up winning what kind of a crap cousin am i
0: where where is this event taking place by the way it Which is course? actually
2: i don't know but it is his corn it is his home course oh okay so i was wondering if you could like find like a first day leader you know like that it's the Glen club golf course Okay. That is in, where is the Glen Club? I've never
0: played the Glen Club. I've always heard good things. I don't know.
2: I have no idea where it even is.
0: Well, while you're doing that, I guess I can share the only brush with glory my family's ever had in athletics. My cousin Ryan actually played quarterback at North Central College. He was a really good high school quarterback and and like you were talking about how you hadn't seen your cousin since he was knee high to a grasshopper. It was the exact same thing with my cousin, Ryan. I'm like friends with him on Facebook. We follow each other on Twitter, but I I haven't seen him in person other than on the football field since he was probably like 11 years
2: old. It is in Glenview, Illinois.
0: I mean, that would make sense. It is called the Glen Club, although I guess there's like Homer Glen and Glenbrook and all sorts of other
2: you know suburbs so yeah yeah glenview illinois is where that course is this so. is
0: riveting podcasting well bet on my
2: cousin jerks <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's find the name Zawaski. be a degenerate bet on a corn fairy tour event
2: yes do that do that for sure all right let's get to our uh our madhouse podcast mailbag if you ever want to email us uh, feel free madhouse at gmail.com you can also tweet at us at Madhouse Pond, but the email is easier because I can just go through it. Sometimes I miss the tweets. So that's what Darth Paul did. He he tweeted at us and I saw it. He's got some questions for us. When is the NHL draft? That's easy. The draft is July 23rd and 24th. And which players, if any, do you think Seattle will take from the Hawks? That's kind of the big question here is who they're going to take. I know there's some hope that the Hawks can maybe sweeten the deal. If they, you know, if they take Brent Seabrook the Hawks can say, Thank you for taking Brent Seabrook. Here's some other stuff to help you build your team. And Boy, now, those,
0: those sweeteners have never backfired on the Blackhawks ever.
2: No, well, you know what? If you wanna if if the idea is to sign a number one defenseman this offseason, you need cap space. You have to find a you gotta find money somewhere. And if you're gonna sign a number one defenseman, that means that one of these young guys you like and might think has a pretty solid NHL future can be made available and can be part of a trade, you know? So I'm not saying it's Adam Boquist, but if you know you can sign Dougie Hamilton or a legit number one defenseman and you got to get rid of that cap space to do it, you consider everything. You know what I mean? Like there, I don't think there's anyone not named Kirby doc on this team. That's untouchable. And honestly, If some team comes calling at the right hour, I'm I'm literally listening on everybody. I I don't think there are any untouchables on this roster anymore.
0: Well, we had kind of talked about that last week. Who was on the roster was untouchable. And I know that we had kind of talked – at least I had kind of talked myself in circles about whether or not I thought the – Blackhawks would actually entertain the idea of trading a guy like Alex DeBrincat. obviously I don't think he would be the type of player that you'd be able to move as a sweetener in a deal like that just because of the fact that he makes so much money, obviously. I think right. that's kind of prohibitive of that, but it is interesting to kind of go back through the roster and just kind of look at the names of guys that you would consider trading even in a move like that. And yeah, basically that list ends, starts and ends right now with Kirby Doc for me. I think that basically everybody else has to be on the table and the Blackhawks have to be willing to think really creatively if they're going to want to pull something like that off.
2: Well, I'm, I'm just, you know, thinking if I'm Seattle and I'm seeing who the Hawks are exposing, who am I, you know, who am I, who's appealing to me? And I'm trying to look at this, you know. <laughs> you I, know. I mean, is Colin
0: Delia or Malcolm Subban really doing it for you? no. I, but I, don't, I guess it depends on who else gets exposed in the expansion draft, but yeah, not, that ain't doing it for me. Uh, who are some of the... I honestly have not been paying enough attention to who the Blackhawks will potentially expose. I'm sure there's been a lot of really good research and journalism done on that, and I no, have I, been I think falling like, asleep on that.
2: So, you know, uh, Calvin Dehan, Ryan Carpenter, uh, you mentioned Suban, you mentioned Delia, um, maybe Zadorov. I don't know. It, it's, it's hard for me to say that. I mean, one name Dylan to Strong. me, that, that name to me is really interesting. Dylan Strom. And it's tough for me to say, like, just let him walk. Right. Right. But if you're looking for a way to clear some cap space and something that's not really going to hurt you that bad, right uh, and yep. a
0: guy who would realistically could make sense for Seattle both from a financial perspective and from a performance perspective.
2: Right I mean, what is he 20 is he 24 yet even?
0: uh no he's yeah not. He, we've had that we've definitely had that conversation.
2: He turns. I'm before. sorry, he turned 24 in March, so he's just 24. Oh,
0: Whoops. Oh, darn. We missed that by two months. Time is meaningless in the pandemic, Jay. Don't you know that?
2: I am absolutely aware of that. Uh, so, yeah, he, I mean, <laughs> if you're Seattle and the Hawks expose Dylan Strom, I'm absolutely chomping at the bit to to pick up that player. It's a guy who can play center and wing. He's been effective on the power play. He has scored consistently throughout his career. Not as maybe as consistently as people would think for the third overall pick. But there's still room for growth there. When he's played and when he's gotten opportunities, he's been pretty good. Like If you dig into the numbers, Dylan Strom, even though he wasn't super impressive in lighting up the scoreboard this year, his underlying numbers were pretty solid. I think Dylan Strom is a good, not great player. But if Jonathan Taves is coming back, and hopefully by then you have some indication whether or not he is, right? Um, and you've got Kirby Doc, and you've got Kurashev, and you've got Suter... And you've got Camp and all these other guys that are capable of playing center. And by the way, Lucas Reichel's been playing center too for Germany. You've got all these options. Maybe Dylan Strome becomes a luxury um, that you know it, it. It sucks to lose him for nothing, but if you look at it as a way to clear that contract without giving up an asset to do so, maybe it's not losing him for air quotes nothing.
0: Right. Yeah, that makes sense, and I I think that. A lot of times uh, fans in these expansion drafts, we kind of like to focus on, you know, Who do we think they should take, you know, kind of have some wishful thinking that they'll take on a bad contract or whatever. And obviously, as we saw with the Vegas Golden Knights, they were very shrewd with the way they put together their roster. They made a lot of really smart trades and kind of got some guys on the cheap. I would say, like, especially, you know, the Marc-Andre Fleury's of the world, you know, like they kind of pulled off those types of moves and it would not shock me to see. Seattle try to find kind of that exact same formula and that exact same success. I'm just going to be fascinated to see the direction that Seattle ends up taking their team. And obviously with the number of free agents that are going to be available this year as well, they could end up putting it together a pretty solid roster. So I'm going to, I'm thinking Blackhawk fans are going to have to get used to the idea of somewhat who is somewhat productive and maybe even somewhat popular Maybe they're the one that gets exposed and gets taken. We just don't know yet.
2: To me, the idea, if I could pick, it would be Kelvin DeHaan. And I oh, li- sure.
0: I, It'd I, be great, I, but I highly doubt yeah. they're doing that.
2: I like him. I really like Kelvin DeHaan. I think he's better than he gets credit for, but it's a lot of money, and it would be very helpful if they can get that number off the books. For Do you sure. try
0: to maybe trade them Connor Murphy? That's a reasonable cap hit. It's a guy who's a solid player who probably isn't going to be around the next time the Blackhawks are legitimately competitive. I think that could be an asset that a team like Seattle would potentially like.
2: I don't know because Murphy is 28. So I don't I don't know if I'm ready to say he won't be here the next time they're competitive. He might well, be... Well, remember,
0: he only has two years left on his deal.
2: Yeah, but I think they could... Find a way to bring him back without it being like incredibly expensive. He's not going to warrant a huge deal. I like him. I like his. Leadership. We're getting
0: into a numbers game here, though. You've got so many blue liners on this team already. But man. you don't.
2: Where's your Where's your leadership coming from? Where's your? And I know maybe that's overblown. Maybe that's more of a fan and media thing than anything. But I just I think that he is their best defensive defenseman. And they if they get rid of him, like I like a lot of these prospects. None of them. Are very solid defenders, like even if Boquist maxes out, if Boquist maxes out, he's Eric Carlson, right? Like, and that's I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Like Riley Stillman, we all like him, we've all been impressed with his first year in Hawks, but he's not a guy who's going to grow into a shutdown. They just don't have like where's that shutdown guy coming from? And without, but look again, if you if you know you can sign a number one defenseman. If you know you're going to be able to make that happen, then cool. Then all things are on the table. But until you have guarantees that that can happen, I'm very hesitant to trade Connor Murphy. But, you know.
0: Just a suggestion, man. And somebody that I think that it saves you a little bit of cap space and somebody that Seattle would be reasonably interested in without having to give up, like, some massive sweetener to get them to take him.
2: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. If you can get something back that you think helps – I don't know. Like I said, there's no one. There's no one that I'm like. Nope. No way. No chance. And Connor Murphy, especially not. But I just, ugh, I just really worry about because even like talking about letting DeHaan go, it's like who's gonna defend?
0: I'm just saying it's a numbers game at this point. I of feel course. like one of the veterans is gonna go because they've got so many blue liners under contract for next season.
2: Yeah, and when you say numbers game you're not even saying salary cap you're just saying roster spots
0: Ex precisely right yes. all
2: right let's get to the next question here we spent a lot of time on that one this one comes from Jeff he says long time follower first time sending an email this offseason is frankly fairly mind-boggling to me from a Hawks perspective what I mean is looking at the numbers Bowman has acquired numerous interesting kind of pro ready players I get competitions a good thing but my fear is the Hawks have a lot of fairly good prospects near pro ready players, but I'm not sure I'm seeing any difference makers in the majority of them. In my opinion, doc and Reichel may have the best shot to really be difference makers. And on the blue line, I don't see the replacements for Keith Seabrook or John John Merson from the cup teams. I think Stan needs to try and package some of the backlog of quantity for a difference maker type of player. Yes. I know that's a tall order, but if Stan can't package a few good young players, For a difference maker, I'm just not sure how this team gets back to glory days. With all this being said, I'm thinking Stan most likely tries to sign or trade for a couple of real proven top-notch guys using their cap space and possible packaging prospects. Again, sounds like a big undertaking. Maybe Edmonton or a Buffalo are desperate enough uh, to work a deal with. Yeah, I I do think that some young player you like is going to be gone this offseason.
0: I mean, yeah, it's just that odds are that is going to be the case for sure
2: yeah and it might be painful but you you like you said numbers game numbers game numbers game yeah um
0: well well, then my question then would be who can the blackhawks go out and acquire in the free agent pool that would be the type of replacement that he was talking about i mean look You want to look at the free agents. The there's one name on the list basically that like intrigues me at all, and I'm sure we all know who it is. It's Dougie Hamilton, obviously. Right. But I mean, you look down the list. Alec Martinez is a free agent. That do anything for you? Eric Branson, Braden Coburn, Jason Demers. It's like no pass, 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 pass again.
2: Well, I don't. uh, Martinez is 34. And you wonder that's he, a
0: little old to me. It
2: is, but he's coming off a four million dollar cap hit. If you can get him for that or less, your team is definitely better, right? Yeah, um, but that,
0: okay. So that you can't. We have to like set our terms here, obviously, because that said that email said difference makers. I'm not looking at Alec Martinez and thinking that
2: the difference maker in in terms of defenseman is Dougie Hamilton. Dougie Hamilton, and that's it to me. So the issue there too is every team looking for a defense uh, for a difference maker on the blue line is going to be looking at Dougie Hamilton, uh, all of them. Yep. So that's, that's tough. That's a, that's a real tough thing. Um,
0: kicking the knackers,
2: bro. It really is. But Bowman's got to get creative. That's his debt. That, that is his job. <laughs> you know, it's his job to be creative and do these things. And look, we've discussed, okay, now we know he's in full space command, right? Like he is, Director of hockey operations, no one's interfering, no one's looming. Spotlights on you, Stan. Show us why you got the promotion. Show us. And so far, like from McDonough's firing to now, I've been pretty happy with what he's done. But let's see. Yeah. Now this offseason is huge. Huge. It's enormous. And I, I'm I think this is gonna be uh in a good way for us, especially. A really active and newsy offseason. I really do. So, um, hey, let's let's see what he's got. This is a really big offseason for Stan Bowman and the Blackhawks. All right, next one comes from Brendan. He says, I'm an Irish Hawks fan who only got into hockey this season. I don't know any other Hawks fans. So, what are the basics that every Hawk fan should know about? Rivals, famous moments, etc. Probably not the question you're looking for. Hey, we'll answer any question, Brendan. I was
0: gonna say, yeah. a
2: Couple of things to um, keep in mind Detroit sucks. Yes. Everybody knows St. Louis blows. Yeah. Let's see. Famous moments. They've won three Stanley Cups recently. Check that out.
0: Yeah. The highlight (laughs) videos of those are always going to do you good. Obviously, learn as much as you can about Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. It's a good place to start. You can go back to some recent vintage and kind of learn about Jeremy Roenick and those teams from the 90s, too. You know, the best place to get all of that information, of course. Right.
2: Yes, I, think, I do. I think there was
0: a guy who wrote a book. Brendan, right? I did. It, James, it it's it called so, The Big
2: 50? I want to tell you, this is the honest truth. I never thought of promoting my book until you just brought it up.
0: <laughs> you are a terrible salesman. Uh, Let me r- tell you It's what. true. Like,
2: I, I have a hawk. I never mentioned my book on this podcast. Never. <laughs> I, like, I don't know what my deal is. I should just create a commercial for it and embed it in the podcast and So everyone knows every episode. I just assume like, Oh, everyone knows I wrote a book. Everyone's aware of that. I don't want to bother people with that information. Sure. I spent like the better part of six months doing it, but I don't want to bother people. Yes. I wrote a book exactly perfect for someone like Brendan. It's called the big 50, the men and moments that made the Chicago Blackhawks. It's available everywhere. You get books, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you can order it. Look up my name. It's uh, from triumph books. Uh, If you look in the, um, description of this podcast or go to madhousepod.com slash book you can order a signed copy that i will ship to you tomorrow so there's lots of ways to get it but it's called the big 50 the men and moments that made the chicago blackhawks a couple other recommendations i have too uh there is a i don't know if it's still in production but there was a great moments in blackhawks franchise history dvd set hang on i'm gonna grab it i got it right here
0: hang on wait for it uh, you could also buy If These Walls Could Talk. Uh, it's a book by Blackhawks beat writer Mark Lazarus. Um, if you look it up, by the way, on Amazon, it's kind of funny. The first uh, thing that comes up as a related recommendation is indeed the Big 50. So Jay Zawaski big time here.
2: Look at me. All right, so this is what I have. This came out in 2010, so before they won the cup, which is funny. So it's Jeremy Rona game, uh, against the Jets in 94, Tony Amani against the Leafs in 94, Dennis Savard against the Red Wings in 95, Taves against the Flames in 09, Kane against the Canucks in 09, and oh, then there's man. like a bunch of great moments um on there as well. There's also a great documentary called The Forgotten Champs. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, The Forgotten Champs about the 61 Hawks. That's really cool. I, I thought it was going to be about the 1938 Hawks. Actually, Nope. It's about the 61 Hawks and it's really good. It's that's hard to find. It might actually just be on YouTube because it's by sundown entertainment, but I have this DVD too. These things are great resources for my book. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of things. And there was a book written, uh, a black Hawks history book written by Bob Verdi for the 75th anniversary. There's so many resources for uh, Hawks history. So Brendan, that's what I would recommend. Uh, but especially my book cause I wrote it and I think honestly, Uh, jokes aside, it it really is perfect for someone who doesn't know much about the franchise because it gives you a little bit of history from start to finish.
0: I didn't bring it up because I thought it'd be funny to plug your book because I legitimately thought that it was perfect for this.
2: Yeah, well, it is perfect for it, but I'm too stupid to have recognized it. So thank you for recognizing (laughs) it for me.
1: (sighs) All
2: right. This one comes from Kelly. She says, hey, guys, did you see the Blackhawks community jersey that the players wore and warm-ups that were auctioned off the blackhawks foundation i believe they wore them for a warm-up on may 9th the first game with fans they were awesome and could be an answer if there continues to be pressure to get rid of the indian head curious to know what you thought of them i love the podcast listen every episode thank you kelly see kelly knows i wrote a book um (laughs) i loved those they were like the chicago flag color and they had almost like a baseball softball font on them i just think that if they do change the logo you got to stick with the classic red and black and just put a black, put a black bird on it. As they would say on Portlandia.
0: I'm going to say something controversial. Oh boy.
2: Here we go. Hang on. Let me load up your hot. take say, button.
0: Please load up the hot take. All right. I really loved when the Chicago bulls did their homage to the Chicago city flag. I thought it looked awesome. I love their city edition Jersey, that that was that mo- they modeled the, Other teams obviously have done things with the Chicago flag ever since I saw the Chicago red stars come out with their blue Jersey with like the street grid and all that on it. And the, obviously the red stars of the Chicago flag. I think it's been overdone. I think that the market has hit its saturation points of Chicago flag merchandise and we need to take a brief respite. So while I can obviously acknowledge that the design of the jersey was really cool, I would be extremely hesitant, and I would say even against the idea of them using that color scheme in any way if they wanted to change up their logo or even to use it as an alternate jersey. I'm going to have to give that idea a thumbs down.
2: Aston answered. Boom. And and
0: again, not to dismiss the idea like I never want to do that because obviously on its face, it's a great idea. I'm just am I alone in thinking that that the usage of the Chicago flag for stuff like that has just been overdone at this point? It's a bit
2: overplayed. It's a bit overplayed. I'll, I'll give Speaking you that. Of which,
0: Did you see those stupid ass hats that they came out with today? Oh, my that God. New Era came out with the home edition or whatever it was called.
2: You know, I'm not going to pl- give it a platform because. I think they were created just to do what they're doing and piss people off and get people the new era's website and then be like, oh, I like this hat, though, and then buy a hat. Because <laughs> there's no way they're like, yes, this is a good idea to put a slice of pizza, all the Chicago area codes, uh, and a mini Chicago flag on it. That, no, 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 That that's enough. No, these are done to make conversation, so I'm, I'm ceasing conversation. There's my hot take, damn it.
0: I I just want to say that those hats were a war crime and whoever designed them should be arrested.
2: (laughs) Just arrested? Not like I mean you have to go through the gulag.
0: (laughs) It's gulag for you. Yeah, that (laughs) <laughs> well, now that I've called for somebody to be brought before the Hague, do we have any other
2: questions? Yeah, we got a couple more. All right, this one comes from Dave. Uh, but first, we since we've been giving our hot takes, we should tell people about some hot chicken from Fry the Coop yeah. and FryTheCoop.com. Elmhurst, West Town, Oaklawn, Tinley Park, Prospect Heights. Chances are, if you're in the Chicagoland area, and most of you are in the Chicagoland area, there's a yeah. Fry the Coop near you. What is it? Only the best damn hot chicken you've ever had in your life. Tenders hot chicken sandwiches, donut chicken sandwiches, hot chicken and waffles. Yeah, you you get the idea. Go to frythecoop.com. You can place your order online. Pick up at their window. I'm sure they're getting close to dine-in. I haven't been able to tell if they're fully open for dine-in yet, um, but it's gonna happen soon. But I'll tell you, Fry the Coop travels awesome. For a long time, the closest one to me here in Homewood was Oklahoma, which is like a 30-minute drive. And I would get home, and it was as fresh as it was in the restaurant. So check out Fry the Coop, frythecoop.com. Get yourself some fantastic hot chicken and give yourself some hot takes of your own. All right. This one comes from Dave. Dave says. Wait, adult haircut, Dave. It's not. It's just regular standard, Dave.
0: You know what? It's okay. We'll come up with a nickname for Dave later. Okay, I
2: I like standard Dave or replacement level, Dave.
0: (laughs) I think standard Dave is probably a nicer (laughs) thing to say than replacement level, Dave.
2: All right. First question. If we had the ability to redraft Bowen, Byron, or Kirby Doc, who would you take? Oh, crap. (sighs) Do you want me to go first since you're thinking about it? I'm going to go with... (sighs) I'm sticking with Doc.
0: Yeah, I am too.
2: Because of the recent emergence of some solid organizational defensive depth.
0: I'm going with Doc because you at some point do need to focus the effort on building yourself up in the middle of the ice, which the Blackhawks have been kind of unsuccessful at in a lot of ways. And I think that Kirby Doc gives you your best opportunity to potentially have a number one uh, center in the future. So as much as I would love to have a potential number one blue liner, and obviously we will have to wait and see how Bowen Byram's career kind of plays out think uh, I think Stan probably got this one right man I think that Kirby Doc's the way to go
2: yeah and I I will say that I think when it's all said and done Byron will be the better player but I think Doc is more valuable for the Hawks at this point in time so I'm gonna stick with it even though it's tough I had to really think about it um I have the I have the benefit of seeing these hours before James I just dropped them on James live and he has to react. So I've been thinking about it all day and I, yeah, that I
0: crushed my soul a little bit because everybody <laughs> knows that I was banging the Byram drum pretty hard, but I had also said that I thought that Kirby Doc could be a good fit and I had shouted him out when the Black Rocks got the third pick in that draft. So it's almost like picking between two of my children and I did not enjoy it
2: No, All right. The other question Dave has is what other teams in the league play Jeremy Calton's defensive system if there are any. What makes it work for them? Uh, no one plays the exact system that the Hawks do. Uh, it's called, they call it man and a half. Uh, I'm going from the uh, athletics column on it here, just so I don't leave lose anything. This is from uh, Scott Powers. Here's what he says. Uh, it's not a strict man-to-man defense. Cowan wants his players to switch when they can. I'm sorry. Cowan wants his players to switch when they can hold the defenseman to the net front or keep them below the top of the circles, but the system does allow players to keep pressuring above the circles if they are engaged, rather than leaving the check and waiting for the right person to pick them up. The Blackhawks also don't want both of their defensemen to converge in the corners. Some system, including the Devils, permit that. The Blackhawks system isn't an outlier in the NHL. Just within the division, the Hurricanes and Predators actually play a more... More of a straight man-to-man defense. The Blue Jacket Stars, Red Wings, and Lightning also have similar defensive zone elements, including pressuring at the blue line. The one different team is the Florida Panthers. Um, so here's the thing. As analysts talk about Cowden's system, their criticism is not necessarily the system. It's right. the personnel. And if you're going to play this system, you need a really solid, deep defense. Like if this was the 13 Blackhawks with all those great defensemen, this system would work a hell of a lot better. You've just got so many guys who are still learning how to play NHL hockey, playing this complicated system. That's why it looks the way it looks. If it was Victor Hedman out there, it would look a lot better, but it's not.
0: Well, we talk all the time about the fact that one of the things that you can always tell with... Adam Boquist for example is the times that he ends up kind of looking like he's thinking and then by that point he's a step slow and he can't get back to where he's supposed to be right and I think that that happens a lot in Colton's system especially as he's been kind of shuttling guys in and out of that system whether it's due to injury or poor play or whatever and so it is going to take some time to pick that up but I still think obviously the Question about whether or not it is a valid and solid and good defensive system does have to be asked based on the results. And I obviously, there this could change. Obviously, players could end up uh, really doing well in the system and really developing into it. But so far it just it looks so disjointed and so discombobulated so much of the time, and that even veterans are still having some problems with it. I still maybe think does kind of speak to the fact that maybe this thing just isn't gonna work at the NHL level the way that Kollaton has it designed.
2: Definitely. All right, we got one more question that is not Blackhawks related, but this from my buddy Charlie. Charlie the bacon guy, who's the sponsor of the I'm Fat Podcast. Also um, a great follow on Instagram. If yes. You want to do that. Uh, check out Charlie, the bacon guy on Instagram. You can order some kick-ass bacon from him. Charlie says he was watching playoff hockey and his buddy's group chat is sent into a frenzy because the lone Canadian let's call him Canada because well, that's what he is on my phone. They comment that Brad Marshand is the best player on the ice in the Boston, Washington series. And he proceeds to throw st- stats and theories at us, including ever since he played with Crosby, he's been averaging a hundred points per season. The rest of us say he's just a talented, tough guy setting. He's top two hate in the league after Tom Wilson. Currently, I mentioned he was a, he was goal scoring playmaking version of Andrew Shaw. Promptly after our text agree to disagree Canada moment, he buries the game winner and he gets the last laugh for now. What is your guys take on Brad Marchand as a player in the league?
0: So what exactly is the definition of Brad Marchand here? Was that like the it was the best all around player? So I guess what
2: he's saying is like, is he just a more talented Andrew Shaw or is he in the discussion? Like, could you really say that he is a in a series of the Bruins and Capitals? Can you say can you make the argument that Brad Marchand is the best player on the ice when Alex Ovechkin and Patrice Bergeron and David Pasternak are out there?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, Pasternak is a great argument to kind of counteract that. Obviously, he's had a fantastic start to his career with the Bruins. Patrice Bergeron has been just an elite level defensive player and obviously a heck of an offensive player throughout his career. I mean, you look at what Brad Marchand has kind of accomplished in his career, and I know that everybody just kind of knows him as, you know, Mr. Pest Boy and stuff like that. But, I mean, you just look – he's so remarkably consistent at more than a a point-a-game clip all the freaking time. He had 100 points a few seasons ago. This season, I think he had almost 30 goals if he didn't quite get to that level. And, obviously, I think there has been some kind of drop-off to the play of an Alex Ovechkin as well. So, if if you ask me if he is the best player on the ice in that series – I think my heart, I still go with Patrice Bergeron just based on the defensive excellence and just the longevity and just the incredible career that he has had. But if I go with my head and I'm able to ignore the meatball part of my brain that wants to see Brad Marchand get punched in the face repeatedly by a drunken hobo or something, I'm going to have to say that it is it is probably Marchand. And now I need to go to take a shower.
2: Oh, I don't know if I can put him above Ovechkin still. Ugh. I still don't think I can do that. But to answer your question, Charlie, you can have that argument. And you're right. Like, it is. Yeah, painful. Obviously, like, but he is he Brad Martian is an elite hockey player, and I never thought he would be the player he is, but he is his Corsi percentage this year was 60.9 percent he had 69 points in 53 games. James, he had 29 goals, not 30. Oh, I was so close. What a bum. Right. But like he's turned into an awesome hockey player.
0: And has been for several years. Like I said, just the consistency of his numbers is crazy.
2: Yeah. He's been really, really good. And as much as he's a piece, he's been uh really, really awesome uh, over the last few years. And I went to look as we were talking about it, like, is his PDO really high? Like, is he had a lot of puck luck? And the answer to that is no, like it's, under 100 in PDO, so um, his shooting percentage is 20 this year, 15 last year. But as you look at his career, his career shooting percentage is 16.1. So at some point, you're just a really good shooter, right. right? Like it's it's not 13 years or 12 years or whatever it is of luck. The dude knows how to score, and hey, I mean, he was uh, what is he? a one, two, three, four, five time All Star, I think. Yeah. He was uh, ninth for the heart last year, fifth for the heart the year before. He's he is a legit stud NHL player. As much as I dislike him,
0: Jay Zawoski, Thursday night, baby, it's a clinching scenario. The Hurricanes have defeated the Predators.
2: Hell yes, they did in overtime. Carolina Hurricanes win, so they can eliminate the Predators on Thursday during our Hot Mic broadcast. Join us on Hot Mic. Game starts at 8.30. We'll be there right around then. Download that Hot Mic app. It's free in the App Store or in the Android Store. Very easy to find. When you sign up, make sure you enter our code MADHOUSE when you do. Make sure you follow us and you'll be alerted when we go live. Interact with us. Talk with us during the game. We have the ability to bring people in live and talk to them. Um, so we're going to do uh, just kind of fun uh, watch party. So join us, grab a couple beers, and let's watch some hockey Thursday night at 8.30 on Hot Mike. Until then, from my partner, James Deville my name is Jay Zawoski. This has been the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The
1: Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, Dr. Squatch, and by the In Law Group.